Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 this is the word to stand on for life with pastor ron arbaugh The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. Celebrating our 10th year of ministry on AM 630 The Word. Visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show as we wrap up another week. It's Friday, and I'm glad you tuned in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And as you know, this is a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything and everything. You need only to call us, 210-340-9585. Is our main number. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. Uh, you can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and everything else is hands-free. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, a lot going on here, and I know every Friday I like to talk about uh, when you go to church this weekend, what you're going to do. I pray that you will be uh, overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit, that you're going there to be a blessing to others rather than going there just to be blessed yourself, Um, that you're looking for people to pray with, to share with. Uh, people that look like they're in pain and need comfort, whatever the the issue, you can say to the Lord, when you get up Sunday morning, okay, Jesus, I'm going to be around your people, and you love your people, so help me love them the way you do. And I promise you that changes your church experience. That's what makes it fulfilling. And um, the house of God is the best place to do that. Tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we're going to be studying Second Thessalonians, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, and we're going to do the first 12 verses, uh, and I've decided tonight, I think prompted by the Holy Spirit, who knows, uh, but, but I'm going to be so direct tonight that it's just one of those, uh, I think, uh, special Bible studies God really wants to speak to our church, um, the people that are going to be here tonight. But but obviously, there's going to be great principles and application for everybody. If you can't make it here, we usually have plenty of room on Friday nights. Um, if you can't make it here, um, you can watch it at calvarysa.com at 7 o'clock. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Okay, let's get to some questions. I've got some fascinating questions that have been sent in. Uh, this first one is from Ronnie. Uh, from our email inbox, uh, she says, Hi, Pastor Ron, could you please explain Isaiah 66, the last verse especially? It sounds like the Lord is talking about end times, but the last verse almost sounds like his people will see the ones who have rejected him. Could you please help me on this one? Thank you. Yeah, I hope I can. You're right, Ronnie. This is talking about the end times, the 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 um, this the very end times, the the last chapters of Isaiah deal with primarily the millennial kingdom 
and what things are going to look like and all the changes when Jesus is ruling and reigning. And and basically it culminates at the end with with what I always called a, a wonderful uh, time of worship. Um, and and when you get to that last verse, uh, let me let me read verse twenty four, and then we'll. Uh, that's that's the last verse. It says, "And they, and that's us." So, Ronnie, you're right about that. And they will go out and look upon the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. Their worm will not die, nor will their fire be quenched, and they will be loathsome to all mankind. Now, if you're interested, this is the way God deals with rebellion. Um. Jesus is promising a victory. Um, in the end, we know the, the devil is going to be let loose for a short time. And even after a thousand years, and that's when this occurs, Ronnie, this is at the end of the thousand years. Even at this time, um, the devil is going to be able to seduce people and convince them to rebel against God. Those people who were who were born in the millennium, those people who are in their flesh and blood bodies, uh, who've never had a chance to to exercise their free will. One of the things I think that we often forget about the millennial reign is that Jesus, Jesus is going to be a potentate. I mean, he is going to demand obedience, and there will be instant judgment, and 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 um, um, uh, justice will prevail always. But for a thousand years, people will not have had the free will choice to love and to serve Jesus Christ. So that's why the devil is going to be let loose for a short time. He will deceive those who rebel. And, of course, the Lord is going to destroy them uh, with just his word. Uh, We know that from Revelation chapter 19. Now, when we get to verse 24 that I just read, um, it's a very sobering way to end and go into uh, the new heaven and the new earth. Um, We're reminded here that many people... Uh, will end up in eternal torment. There's no annihilationism. There's no universalism. This isn't an allegory. This is torment, literal torment, forever and ever and ever. And Ronnie, Jesus quotes this verse often when talking about what eternal torment is going to look like, that which awaits the enemies of God. And that's what this is. This is just Jesus destroying. This is the ultimate judgment, destroying um, some people. Now, here's the thing, and, and, and this is true for us now, but, but as we think about it in the end times, uh, it's even more startling. I mean, a thousand years of perfect justice, a thousand years of love, a thousand years of Jesus um, directing mankind, um, nobody getting away with anything, no evil being rewarded. Um, and, and yet there are going to be many, many people who reject him personally. And we always wonder, and, and this happens when we're sharing, when we're witnessing uh, to other people, why do some believe and others perish? And the answer for both of those is because that's what they chose. It's not God's choice, but God honors the choices we make in this life forever and ever. This declares the immense value of the kind of life that we choose, and we need to make the right choice, and we need to make it soberly. And we're, we're in a time where this world is drawing so many professing Christians away. And, and um, you know, whether they're ever real Christians or not, that's between them and the Lord. We, we can't know. But, but this last verse in Isaiah chapter 66, and if you go through beginning in chapter 60 uh, and read those last chapters, um, believe me, none of us wants to miss the millennial kingdom. It's going to be so wonderful. It's going to be... Um, um, I always tease and say no lawyer commercials, no political commercials. Um, you know, those, those kind of things, it's, it's going to be perfect. And yet still people are going to rebel. Why? Because we're sinners. We have a sin nature. And the only answer to that sin nature is Jesus Christ. So I hope, um, Ronnie, that answers your question. But yeah, it is talking about the very end times. And uh, it is indeed very, very sobering. Good question. Here is, oh, we got a phone call, so let me go there first. Um, I don't see a name on the phone. 
Okay, we've got my friend Hindle from Austin holding on the line. Hindle, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. Um, uh, I just wanted to ask for prayer for my husband, Mike. And uh, he was diagnosed, you already know all this, but uh, he was yeah. diagnosed with pancreatic cancer back in March of 2020. And it, it has spread um, three or four times, and uh, most recently into the bowels, so that uh, now he can't digest anything except through his stomach. And he's lost quite a bit of weight, and he's in hospice care now, um, which is really hard, of course. And uh, But yeah. the good thing is that he's, he is turning... Um, he is seeking the Lord. He wants to hear from Jesus. He's really, he's reading the Bible. He is, um, his heart is really softened, and um, I'm Praise so thankful God. for that. And um, maybe if you have some tips on how to hear from Jesus, you could mention that to him. He's right here, and he'll be on the phone yeah. in just a second. Um, okay. And I also, I just want to ask your audience to not only pray for that, but to pray a supernatural physical healing. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he, he's having a bowel movement today for the first time since June 28th, and that's pretty amazing. Um, wow. So I'm just, I just want to ask for prayer from your wonderful li- listeners to, that Mike would uh, not only have a really close relationship and hear from Jesus, but also that, that uh, I know we're not promised these uh, physical miracles, but I'm, I'm just going to yeah. ask for one anyway. Uh, for yeah. Mike, and uh, Mike, Mike wants to say hello. Here's okay. Hello, Pastor. Hi, Mike. Mike, it's so good to hear from you. Hindle sent me a, a video of you coming home from the hospital, and Paula and I were watching it and praising the Lord and, and uh, oh. praying for you at the same time. Thank you, thank you. Well, uh, let me tell you, I, I think I recognize the presence of God I'm pretty sure I recognize the presence of God throughout the universe. Mm-hmm. I've come to that over the last week. And I think he must be everywhere. Yeah, because yes. I feel him everywhere now. And I want to know how to I want to know how to find Jesus. Okay. I want to see I can help you, Mike. Jesus. I can help you, Mike. Let me. Can, can, I, I, I hope you're patient with me because this is going to take a couple of moments. But, but um, you will see. Uh, short of a, a miraculous healing, you will see the face of Jesus. You will see it. It's shining like the sun in all of its brilliance. That comes from Revelation chapter one. Could I ask you today, Mike? When when I hang up, have Hindle read, or if you can read, if you're still able to read, good. Um, um, read uh, Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Revelation 1, verses 10 through 18. And that's the face that one day we're all going to see. We're going to hear him call us by a name, a new name, a name that he, he won't call you Mike, he'd call you by, by another name. And you'll know instantly that you and that voice that calls that name is going to sound like many rushing waters. Um, he is going to be brilliant in his holiness. And when I say brilliant, I don't just mean staggering, but, but I mean the, the pure, unfettered holiness of God. And you'll be standing there with him. And Mike, the only way to experience that is to surrender your heart to him, to be born again. Uh, today, just this morning, and I was so grateful that Hindle called. Um, and, and thank you so much, Hindle, for keeping me informed um, um, of how Mike's doing. I've had the, the privilege of praying for you, Mike, now for a very, very long time. And we are praying for a physical, miraculous healing. Um, but I have been praying as well that your heart would soften as it is softening now and you'd receive him. So here's how you, you, you see and hear from God. Um, Jesus, if you seek him, he says he will be found by you. And now that you're reading the Bible... You will hear from him directly. The Holy Spirit will be there. And the Holy Spirit is going to be beckoning you to come to him. And the only thing that that is remaining, Mike, and again, I don't know everything that's going on, so I'm not trying to be presumptuous here, but the only thing that's remaining now is for you to figuratively bow a knee and say, Jesus, 
I know you're real. You're the creator of all things, and he has been reaching out to you in answer to so many prayers for so long. And the only thing that you have to do, and and believe me, you will experience the presence of the Lord. It won't be, you won't see him physically, and you won't feel him touch you, but, but you'll feel him come inside you. And all you have to do to experience that is to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for being patient and waiting for me. And then, Lord, I surrender my life, what's left of it, to you. And what I'm going to pray right now, Mike, is that that um, as you do that or as you get prepared to do that, and I'm not trying to put any pressure on you to do it, but as you prepare to do that, uh, I'm going to continually be asking God to give you some more time in this world so that your life can be fruitful for him. But right now, all he wants is you, Mike. He loves you. He demonstrated that once and for all. There can be no doubt about who he is or what he's done. Historically, the evidence for Jesus uh, as a historical person is overwhelming. But see, he proved he was also God, 100% man and 100% God. And since only God can forgive sins, that's essential. He proved that because when they killed him, he didn't stay dead. And the evidence, just the, the, the secular evidence, the, the biblical evidence for Jesus' murder and his resurrection from the dead is equally overwhelming. And all he says now is, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Mike, that's what he wants to do. And I want to thank you and Hindle both for the privilege of praying for you for so long and to hear that you're seeking the Lord is is a direct answer to my prayers. So, Mike, that's all you need to do, and you will experience the presence of the Lord. I promise you that. And you don't have to doubt. It's just something the Bible tells us. If we ask, um, he forgives. Um, I'm sure you've been a great guy. I was a jerk. I wasn't a great guy. And he forgave my sins, so there's no doubt that he will forgive yours. So, Mike, that's all you need to do. And on the veracity of the Word of God, we know that's true. So, Mike, if that's what you want to do, I'll pray for you now. But if you want to wait, if you're doing this on your own, that's fine, too. What would you like to do? Let me get it on my own, but if you would pray for me, I would really love it. Okay, Mike, I'll do it, and, and please stay in contact. You can call me any day. Uh, Hindle, Hindle knows how to get a hold of me. So uh, day or night, I don't care. Father, I lift Mike to you now, um, and I ask God by the power of your Spirit that you answer the prayer of his heart. He wants to experience you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would be so real to him by the power of your Spirit Give him the assurance that what you said, Jesus, is true, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. Comfort him, give him peace. I also want to pray for Hindle, Lord. I know that she's been under a lot of stress and had some physical issues as well, and I love her so much. Bless her and strengthen her. And God, we still do ask for miraculous healing of Mike's body, for your glory. We love you, God, and we're grateful. And thank you in advance for answering the prayers that come from Mike's heart. Mike, God bless you. Thank you. If there's anything you need, any questions you have, uh, Hindle knows how to get a hold of me in an instant, okay? All right. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Mike. God bless. I can't tell you how that thrills my heart. I've been praying for Mike, and I've never met Mike personally. Actually, I've never met Hindle personally. We've talked a bunch, uh, and she's a, a nearly everyday listener to the radio show. Um, and uh, I, I, I told Mike at the beginning of this today, God just put uh, Mike and Hindle really, really heavy in my heart. And Paul and I were praying as we were, were walking around our neighborhood after we got done exercising today. And and um, um, for Mike and Hindle both, 
I will never stop praying until God's will has been determined and we're all aware of it. But for now, um, we love you. We're praying for you. And um, God bless you. Mike, I want to hear the, the, the report of your conversion to faith in Jesus Christ. There can be no doubt. There can be no doubt. Oh, that thrills me. See, this program is such a blessing to me. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. I'm crying a little bit, so please forgive me if I sound a little sloppy here. Here's a question from Kaylee from our mobile app. Um, she says, in last night's sermon, you mentioned Satan being able to go to the throne of God. Could you elaborate more on that? Yeah, Kaylee, um, I, we, I have no idea why God allows Satan and or other fallen angels access to the throne of God. I have no idea. It makes no sense to me, and there's no explanation given in the Bible. What we do know for sure, uh, primarily from the book of Job and also from Paul's personal experience, we know that um, Satan has access to the throne. Um, there are times when uh, the angels, both the good ones and the fallen angels, are in the presence of the Lord. Um, and um, um, we don't know what the purpose is uh, in the study I did uh, that you made reference to. Um, um, Micaiah had a vision of, of um, um, angels, both good and bad, um, being in the presence of God. And there's just simply no way that we can understand uh, why God would allow Satan into his presence. We know that the, he's the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses all of us, Kaylee, night and day, so there's never a break from it. And uh, it's one of the reasons the devil hates Jesus so much, is, is, is Jesus is an everlasting, ever-living statement of intercession um, for, for you and for me. What that means, Kaylee, is that while Satan is up there accusing us of stuff and lying about us and slandering us, Jesus is the whole time, and this is just the way my mind perceives it, Jesus the whole time is, is there saying, innocent, innocent of all charges, not guilty, perfect, righteous, all beautiful they are, there's no flaw in them, and Satan is continually being rebuffed. So there is no way to understand why or what God's motive are. We know that the devil and the fallen angels are also referred to as servants of God. That doesn't mean they're saved or it doesn't mean that they love God because they don't. Uh, but, but God is using even the evil um, in the universe and in the heavenly realms uh, to accomplish his perfect will, as Romans chapter 8, verse 28 tells us. So I, I wish, this is one of those things, Kaylee, where I wish the Bible had actually given us um, some um, direction or understanding about why this would be the case. Believe me, if the devil would knock on my door, I don't want him coming there. And so uh, from that perspective, uh, I just don't really know. Thank you, Kaylee. Good question. Let's go to Kenny on line one from San Antonio. Kenny, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron. I appreciate you taking my call. And I just had a question. Um, at my work, one of my coworkers, we got into a, uh, or I, I, I raised my voice at him, and then he raised it, and so it went back and forth. And then I knew what I did after that was wrong. I raised my voice, uh, not screaming, but anyway, it was it was not right. It was not godly. Um, my emotions got involved rather than you know walking around the building or just taking a break. Um, I raised my voice, and this happened also again around six to eight months ago. Well, I apologize, or I mean. So uh, he hadn't talked to me, which is which he has every right to, because as a Christian, I, I don't, and I'm a human being. I'm not uh, anyway. I just need some counsel. Um, what uh, I'm going to send him a text because uh, he doesn't know a lot of English, so I got uh, that. Uh, translation and Google from English to Spanish, 
and I'm just going to tell him, you know, that I I apologize for my actions. It was totally wrong. I was I was not walking in the spirit. It was not out of love, yeah. and um, uh, it was not of God. And and uh, I don't blame you if you don't want to, uh, you know, talk to me because it happened, you know, six to eight months ago. And mm-hmm. um, can you, can and, I? We're uh, we're running out of time. Can I ask you a question? Have you have you sure. said this to him face to face? He won't talk to me. Not at all. Okay. Then then the text is appropriate. But that's a beautiful apology. Uh, I misrepresented my Jesus. He loves you. And I'm sorry that I misrepresented him. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I will be praying for you. And that's all you can do. As far as it depends on you, Paul writes, make peace with everyone. But there's only so much you can do. So once you do that, Kenny, no more guilt. Um, you don't beat yourself up. You blew it. You you ask God for forgiveness, and and you're going to ask Him for forgiveness, and God is smiling at you. Great question. Thank you, Kenny, and thank you for your courage. Sorry to say we're wrong. Hey, I got to sign off quickly. We've got 30 minutes left in our week. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to The Word to Stand On for Life, celebrating our 10th year of ministry on AM 630, The Word. We're taking your calls at 210-340-9585. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our show on this Friday, 340-9585. Now, this is family business, but I just got word that our Elizabeth... Uh, just had a baby, Pastor Chris and Elvira, our grandparents, and uh, I heard baby and mom are doing well. So this is just a day, uh, along with Mike and Hindle's call, a day where God is answering prayers for us. Praise the Lord. That's good. Hey, here's a question. This one is from uh, Heather from our email inbox. And Heather, I'll just warn you in advance, I could do a whole show, a whole hour on your question. Here's what she says. My boyfriend speaks in tongues many times throughout the week. However, I did not grow up in a Pentecostal environment. For me, I learned saying things like tie my bow, untie my bow uh, very fast. This allowed us to be excused from the Holy Ghost prayer groups. Uh, This could get me out of many issues in the church. My question is truly, my question is, is this truly real? Or is this a made up verbal vomiting? I don't know other um, um, words, God bless you, and Sister Paula, who is so special, Heather says. Thank you for that, Heather. God bless you as well. Um, a couple of things. Um, this time I bow, um, I, I used to say, should have bought a Honda. Um, you know, the, the nonsense that we see in Pentecostal churches and many charismatic churches as well, where everybody's speaking in tongues and they're trying to prime the pump and get you to, to speak in tongues and time I will, time I will, time I will, saying it really fast or, or some other thing. And then they say, yeah, see, you've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you've got the gift of tongues. That is absolute silliness. Absolute silliness. Now, if your boyfriend is speaking in tongues throughout the week in his regular prayer time. God bless him. The gift of tongues, Heather, is a wonderful, wonderful gift. It is a, a, a fabulous gift. Um, I, I understand why people are a little afraid of it, but I don't want people to be afraid of it. What I want is for people to, to say, okay, God, every good and perfect gift comes from above, and so I want everything you have for me. And I, too, speak in tongues. And I speak in tongues. It's a vertical language just between me and God. That's what it should be for your boyfriend as well. But when we go to church and everybody's doing it at the same time, that is completely out of order. And Heather, it's nothing but flesh. That's all. It's flesh. And I like your word of verbal vomiting. That's all it is because it's out of order and inconsistent with the way the word of God says that tongues is supposed to be practiced. So very, very important. Now, I don't want you, Heather, 
to shy away from it because you were in Holy Ghost prayer groups. Every prayer group ought to be a Holy Ghost prayer group, but not in the way that you've experienced it. Prayer should be fun. It should be exhilarating. It shouldn't be, um, you know, um, creepy or weird. And and that's what happens in a lot of these um, circumstances. So um, remember that the 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 example um, or the evidence rather of being filled with the Holy Spirit is love. And I would add obedience. And then as you're serving the Lord, obedience is the trigger for even a greater outpouring of God's Spirit. And there's simply no value at all in in counterfeiting the gift of tongues um, just because you um, you were uncomfortable and said, okay, I'm going to do it so I get out. You know, Paula had that same experience after I got saved, and I received the gift of tongues almost right away when I got saved. Um, it was just something God wanted to do for me, and she didn't, and we went to these churches that, that, that actually questioned. This is the woman who prayed for me for 13 years. They actually questioned whether we, she was saved or not because she didn't speak in tongues. And so they would take her in this little room, and I'm I'm too new in the Lord uh, to, to know what's right or what's wrong, so I just figure they know more than I do. I should have stepped in, but but I just didn't know enough. And they would take her in and try to force her to do that kind of stuff. And um, uh, it really, really scared her. Uh, it made her really uncomfortable. Um, and praise the Lord, he sort of intervened uh, and one day, all alone, Paula was taking a bath. I wasn't there. I was at work, and Paula was taking a bath. The Holy Spirit fell upon her and gave her the gift of tongues, and she was had a, a her own private Holy Ghost prayer meeting for quite a long time in that bathtub. And the, the, the point there is God met her there because he knew that she was frightened by all of that. So, Heather, don't let that kind of unfortunate practice um, steer you away from the from from wanting the gift of tongues. It's a wonderful gift. It uh, enhances your 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 prayer time uh, when you're praying according to the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. You know that your prayers are in the will of God, and we know that if our prayers are in the will of God, uh, we have what we ask for. And in cases like that, you don't need to know what it was you were praying for. Uh, God knows, and the Spirit moved on your heart to do that. So please don't. Um, stop pursuing the gift of tongues just because it was wrong. And your boyfriend, God bless him that he's filled with the Spirit and speaks in tongues. Just make sure that he's got you in a church where that nonsense isn't going on uh, in an out-of-control or an out-of-order way. So, Heather, I hope that answers your question. But your discernment is right on. This was a verbal vomiting, and it happens all the time. I used to tell our church, no yabba-dabba-doos here. We're, we're, we're really seeking the, the voice of God. And believe me, he will, uh, he will answer that question. He wants you uh, to have it. Good question. Here is a question. This one is from... No name. Oh, no, it is Maria from our email inbox from Maria. Uh, Pastor Ron, I don't want to sound legalistic, but how long should we read and pray, and how often do we do that? We're a young family with five children, three under the age of five. Maria, right now, while I'm speaking, you need to sit down, put your feet up, and take a rest. I know how busy you are. She says, we're a young family with five children, three under the age of five, and we are devoted uh, to going to church every Sunday, and three out of the remaining six nights, we have family Bible study. My husband wants to add Wednesdays to church. We would try to read and pray every day, but it's not possible. I believe we were setting ourselves up for failure. I'm extremely tired. I do see our household being a little more chaotic because I think Jesus is not spoken every day. What are your thoughts? Maria, I have so many thoughts here. And uh, uh, maybe we can hold on to this question for Thursday next week when Paul is here, because I'd like to get her uh, perspective on it as well. Um, let me talk genuinely, or j- just j- from my heart, about prayer. Prayer isn't something that ought to be a chore. 
you know, Paul and I, we have a very, very busy life. And uh, our, our life is so busy. There are times that we just run out of time. And there are times when stopping, slowing down, and taking some time, not not a lot of time, but taking some time for prayer, sounds like, well, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late. And probably that's me way more than it is Paula. But But we stop and we take that time anyway because it's a wonderful thing to do. It has nothing to do with legalism and um, um, praying just should be a delight. It should be the one thing that you hold on to the most, Maria, because of how tired you are and how busy. I mean, you've got a full cup and you need to be in constant contact with the Lord. Now, I want to also help you think differently about prayer. Prayer is not closing a door, getting on your knees. Uh, There are times when you will do that. But prayer is just talking with Jesus all day long. Just talking with him all day long. It helps remind you that he's always there. It helps remind you, especially when life gets a little bit frantic, it helps remind you that he's there to help. So so just talk to him. Uh, talk to him while you're uh, cleaning up after your kids. Talk to him while you're changing their diapers. Uh, just keep a running conversation. Paul tells the church in Thessalonica that we're to pray without ceasing. So uh, that doesn't mean we, we just devote two hours or five hours or six hours every day to prayer. We just talk to him. That's all it is. And that's a lot less pressure and a lot more satisfying than just feeling like we have to pray. Having said that, reading the Bible is also something that you need to do on a regular basis. Now, I want you to understand, Maria, God understands um, busy people. God understands tired moms. Believe me, he understands tired moms. Um, so, So read as you can, but do it regularly. Not as a legalistic exercise. Don't feel guilty if you don't get to it, but do it because you need to hear the voice of God. And that's how we hear the voice of God, through his word. So what what I want you to do is just have your own reading going on. Just wherever you are, whenever you get a chance, you can even have um, some earplugs and, and the, the, video, or the, the audio Bible going on. But just read it. Let the word of God wash over you. And that's going to be your source of strength and it's going to be your source of peace when things do get out of control and frantic. Um, Going to church every Sunday, I think, is essential. Uh, Again, not as a legalistic exercise, but but people in your situation need the fellowship. And um, let me say one thing, Maria, and this always upsets people when I say it, but, but, but put your kids in children's ministry so that you and your husband can have some adult time seeking the word of the Lord. Churches are going to have people there. They're going to take care of your kids. They're going to minister to them at an age-appropriate level. Uh, And believe me, they're going to survive that hour or hour and 15 minutes that they're in there. And you get the opportunity with your husband to focus in and concentrate on the word of God, letting the Holy Spirit speak to you. And you get to actually talk to other adults. And you get to talk. I don't know where you go to church, Maria, but 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 in our church, if you were here, um, there's a whole bunch of people in our church who are in the same situation you're in. And you can just kind of compare notes and comfort one another with the comfort that you have received from God. So so going to church is a really, really good thing. Um, the family Bible studies, um, you don't tell me how old the, the older children are, um, but but I think, I think that's got to be something that um, your husband has to take the responsibility for, and it shouldn't be long, it shouldn't be drawn out, it, it, it shouldn't be uh, anything more than sort of a family devotion type thing, um, because both of you, your husband and you, should have your own private time of hearing from God in his word. Now, regarding adding Wednesdays to church, what I would do if I were you, I'd just tell my husband, look, I'm just too tired. If he doesn't understand that, um, then tell him to pray. <laughs> but 
um, uh, tell him, if you want to go to Wednesday night, go to Wednesday night. Uh, if I feel like I have energy, I'll go. It's not that I don't want to go. It's just that sometimes things are out of control and I'm too tired. But but you go ahead and go. And you can come back and share with me what God's put on your heart. Um, but remember, we don't want to put ourselves in a position where we're so tired that we open ourselves up to an enemy who wants to sort of take all of the joy out of our church experience. So... Do nothing under compulsion. Do what you want to do. Do what you feel like doing. Understanding the whole time that this is one of those um, uh, places where uh, even when you're tired and you feel like, I I can't look at one more word in the Bible, you, you need to spend time with Jesus. You need to be in his word. And people that are the most tired are the ones that Satan is looking to, to mess with. And you need the strength and the fortification that will come from your time with Jesus and your time in the world. In the word, rather. But please please understand, this isn't one of those things that you do because you have to. You do it because you want to. And Maria, if I ever spoke with anybody who needs the power of the Holy Spirit fresh every day in his or her life, and in your case, uh, many times throughout the day, it's you. And often when we get tired, the, 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 the thing that we want to do the least, that's going to the Word or speaking to the Lord in prayer, uh, is the thing that we need to do the most. So it's God protecting you. It's, it's Everything you do with Jesus will be richer and more satisfying, and um, the fruit of the Spirit will be produced in you. And without the word and without prayer, um, when you're tired, uh, it's pretty hard to be in the spirit and have the fruit of the spirit. Thank you, Marianne. I just added you to my prayer list, too. Boy, my my heart reaches out to you. Five kids, three of them under the age of five. You need a nap. So enjoy it. No guilt. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Um, and if we have um, anybody who wants to call with anything else, I think we got enough time for it as well. Okay, let's see what else I've got here for question. This one is from Xavier. He says, Pastor, my new church says that they are a five-fold ministry. What does that mean? Well, Xavier, I'll tell you what it means. It means that they don't really understand the Bible. Ephesians talks about a ministry um, the, the gifts that God gave to the church. Uh, he gave some to be uh, apostles and some to be prophets and some to be um, um, preachers and, and, and evangelists and or teachers and or teachers. Um, um, but, but that's one gift. So it's, it's really, there, there's just four-fold ministries. But, but what that means is this church is going to be um, probably a hyper-charismatic church. And it's going to be out of control. They're going to be all speaking in tongues at the same time. Uh, they've got a, a, an unbalanced view of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they're, they're hyper-emotional, typically. Uh, and their relationship with God is based on how they feel uh, rather than what the Word of God says. So I, I would just have you, be, I'd caution you, um, be on guard. Um, um, there are no more apostles and there are no more prophets. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 makes that clear. Um, but the other gifts, um, uh, pastor, teacher, um, evangelist, and my mind's going blank. Um, um, uh, but that's that's just what it means. And those gifts are still existing and being utilized in the Church of Jesus Christ today. Okay, Xavier, thank you very, very much. Here is a question from Les. Uh, he says, my friend says morality is subjective and changes uh, with the times, so he rejects the need for God on moral grounds. How should I respond? Les, here's what you do. You wipe the dust off your feet. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Uh, ignore him. He's being dishonest. You've shared the gospel with him. Um, Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. And he would like nothing more. And I would like nothing more. You're my friend than to know that you're going to heaven. 
but but this is a dishonest response. It's an inane response, um, and and just don't argue with him. Don't debate. Um, you know, morality is subjective and changes, but God doesn't, and that's why the Word of God is so important. We have no basis for moral grounds or or for living a moral life if we don't believe in God. If in fact we've evolved from lower life forms less, then there's simply nothing at all um, that that uh, we're responsible for. We can do whatever we want, whatever we feel like doing. And uh, that's the kind of world that Paul said we would have in the last days. And that's the world that we live in now. So he knows that he's not being honest. He knows that doesn't make any sense. That just allows him to sin. And he can sin and still feel good about himself and sort of take the moral high ground, or so he thinks. So don't respond to him at all. I I always um, advise our people here at Calvary Chapel, um, as long as somebody is honest and is pursuing the truth, um, take all the time that they're going to need. But when when they start throwing out these kind of platitudes, um, it's dishonest. It's intellectually dishonest. And... uh, we we just sort of leave him alone. Um, he's missing out. Show him Jesus in your life. Don't argue. Just pray for him. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. I think yeah, we don't have too much time left, but we got a little bit of time left for a call. Here's a question from Anthony. I said, my cat died this week. Where did he go? Anthony, uh, I always, people get mad at me when I say this, but your cat didn't go anywhere. He just died. The cat didn't have a soul. The cat wasn't created in the image of God. Your cat, as much as I'm sure you loved him, was a gift from God to you to enjoy in this world. And so he just died. Um, eternity, heaven, is for angels and humans and we will be together forever but but pets are not made in the image of God and there is no pet heaven and um, um, just be grateful to God uh, that that he allowed you the experience with your pet that he did and be blessed by it and if you want another cat, get another cat. If you don't, you don't. You know, many, many years ago, and I may talk about this a little bit tonight in my Bible study, but but uh, Paul had a dog for 15 years. We just loved him so much, and he was a great dog. I used to call him evangelist dog because whenever we'd start sharing Jesus with people, he'd just kind of sit down and, and wait for us patiently because he knew that we were going to be sharing. And um, um, when he died... Um, um, I, I just felt so blessed that God allowed him to be in our lives for so long. And there was so much fruit that was produced, uh, Anthony, that, that I look back and I, I think now of all the lessons God taught me uh, through that dog about how to care for the people that he loves. And, you know, when a dog like that dies, people say, well, I'll get you a new puppy. You No, no, no. And and the Lord spoke very clearly to Mark and said, no, the church is now your new dog. Take care of them the way you learn to take care of your dog in his old age. So pets don't go to heaven. I know that bums people out. Uh, but But your pet did his or her job, being your friend, your companion, an expression of the love of God in the world that we live in. He lived, um, or your, your cat, I'm sure, lived a wonderful life and... Uh, you can be grateful to God for that. Okay, let me see. Um, okay, I'll take this question from Paulette. I didn't have time for the first one. Uh, this will be our last question for the day. Pastor Ron, I think wealthy Christians ought to share their money with those who struggle. Am I off base? Yes, you are, <laughs> Paulette. The key is, it's their money. And God has entrusted them to be good stewards, and they're going to stand before Jesus and give account of their stewardship of that money. So what makes you think that they should work hard and share their money with you? Now, here's what every Christian ought to do, wealthy or otherwise. We ought to say, okay, Lord, you've given me so much money. 
it's your money, not mine, because even the ability to make money comes from God. Uh, he's the one who blessed us with our jobs. He's the one who blessed us with our brains or our talent. And so uh, every Christian, wealthy or not, ought to say, okay, Lord, here's how much we've got. What do you want to do with your stuff? Now, he's going to let you keep most of it. I want you to understand that. He's he's not going to say, like he did to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. He said that to the rich young ruler because the rich young ruler's little G God was his money. He said he walked away sad because he had great wealth. So here's um, our responsibility. Simply say, okay, Lord, this is your stuff. What do you want to do with it? And then be faithful to that. And when he can trust you with money, Paulette, he's going to give you more money. Now, one of the things, and, and you give me no indication of your age, but we've raised a generation of people that think they're entitled to share the wealth of this world, that they shouldn't have to work for it. Work is a really good thing. I mean, work is what we were created to do, and and hopefully we have joy in our work, but, but you know, if somebody's got great talent and they can make a lot of money, then um, they ought to do that. And and that doesn't have anything to do with Christians who struggle. So um, I, I just don't understand the thinking, Paulette, that says that wealthy Christians are obligated to share their money with those who are less fortunate. Uh, we have a responsibility to do one thing, and that's to ask God, what do you want me to do with your stuff? And when we do that, whether you have a lot or a little, Paulette, if you're faithful with the little you have, then he'll give you more because he can trust you. Hope that makes sense. Hey, we're done for the week. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a great week of questions. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Mike and Hindle, we love you. Thank you so much for the call. Next week, AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. God Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh, celebrating our 10th year of ministry on AM 630 The Word. The Word to Stand On for Life airs every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life is sponsored by Calvary Chapel San Antonio. Calvary.